Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. This is today's Bible class. A short Bible study, seven days a week, usually only about 13 or 14 minutes. But it keeps us in God's Word, and that's important for our faith, because faith comes by hearing the Word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17. Help people in your life grow in their faith, stay strong in their faith, maybe come closer to God, and maybe you might even help them get to heaven by getting them into God's Word through these studies. Share with them every day through Facebook friends, text messages, and other technological means. You may help somebody turn their life around. So make that commitment today and start sharing with everybody you can. We're going to get back into our new line of thought and study. We're, we're asking the question, is there an unforgivable sin? Again, I've run into some people in my ministry, not a whole lot, but, but a number, who have either believed that they committed an, the unforgivable sin or maybe they had committed the unforgivable sin in their mind. They were concerned about it. Maybe they've, they've committed that. Maybe they couldn't be forgiven. I, I've also run into one or two who thought they had been so sinful, so bad, not necessarily saying they had committed the unforgivable sin in their mind, but they thought they had been so sinful, so bad, so ungodly for so long a period of time that God certainly would not forgive them. Well, I want us to think about is the principle, is there an unforgivable sin? Is there a sin that if you commit it one time, that's it, you're done? You know, your future is absolute black. <laughs> I mean, darkness. You know, the, the, you know, the absolute reality of health. You know, there's no way out. The rest of your life, you're just doomed. Is that, is that true? Is there such a sin? Well, we did look last time at Romans chapter 1, that really the second half of that chapter, where it talks about some, some people who they go so far that, and the text tells us, speaking of God's reaction to their ongoing sinfulness, that about three times it says either God gave them up or God gave them over. And it's talking about people who have given themselves into ungodly lifestyles, and ultimately God will let them suffer the consequences. You know, there's an old expression. I don't think it was just a Southern expression, but it certainly would have been, you know, one that, that people from the South would have used, you know, uh, generations ago and probably still do. But th there's the old expression, you know, you made your bed, now you got to lie in it. Well, and to a great extent, I think that's what the, the, the message is in that second half of Romans chapter 1. If you go so far, you may get to the point where you've just so deadened your, con your conscience, your ability to feel wrong, and, and that's what the conscience is. It's, it's you know, a tremendous blessing from God in our design. It's kind of like a built-in governor that says, well, well you know, you're, you're doing wrong here. You know you're doing wrong, and so your conscience starts bothering you. And that's to kind of get you, you know, to wake up and get back on the right track, to stop doing whatever that is that's, that's really violating your conscience. Well, a person can get to the point where they have deadened their conscience it has no more feeling. The Apostle Paul writes about that, I believe, two or three times. They get to the point where they're, they're just 
beyond the point of feeling any remorse for the wrongdoing that they continue to be involved in. And so, you know, it, it's, it, it, and he, he likens it, you know, to a numbness that is there. And they no longer can feel any compunction about doing wrong, about being sinful. Well, but that, again, they brought that on themselves. Now, what about an unforgivable sin? We're going to read some contexts of Scripture that talk about an unforgivable sin. We're going to begin with, and these are parallel accounts, by the way. Matthew chapter 12, beginning, beginning with with verse 22. Matthew chapter 12, beginning with verse 22. So, then one was brought to him, that is to Jesus, who was demon-possessed, blind and mute, and he healed him, so that the blind and mute man both spoke and saw. So Jesus miraculously healed this man who was demon-possessed. He had been blind and mute, but Jesus healed him. And we're not talking about over a period of six months, the man getting gradually better and better and better along the way. We're talking about miraculous healing here. He immediately is able to see and hear. And all the multitudes were amazed and said, could this be the son of David? In other words, the prophesied Messiah, the prophesied son or, or, or savior come to earth? Now, when the Pharisees heard it, they said, this fellow does not cast out demons except by Beelzebub, except by Beelzebub. Uh, you know, in other words, a, an ungodly deity or being. So they were absolutely, then the Pharisees, you know, these Pharisees would have rejected Jesus as the Savior. And so they said, ah, oh, he's doing this by, by evil means, But Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and every city or house divided against itself will not stand. We see some of that in our land right now, don't we? Our land being divided against itself, cultures being divided against themselves, society being divided against different elements of society being divided against each other. A lot of hatred out there in our nation right now. Jesus went on and said, if Satan casts out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? Now, he's pointing out, I healed this man. If I healed him by evil means, he was already demon-possessed. Now, if I come from a demon perspective or background, I'm just casting out another demon. What, What sense does that make? So he says, if Satan is divided against himself, then how then will his kingdom stand? And if I cast out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore they shall be your judges. But if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or how can one enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man? He who is not with me is against me. He who does not gather with me scatters abroad. So, again, Satan would not cast out his own demons to heal a man who has been possessed by demons. So Jesus is saying, your your charge against me is utterly absurd. If I were of an evil deity, I'd just cast out an evil deity out of this man. That would make no sense. That would be counterproductive to what I, you know, what I would be about. 
Now, we drop down to verse 31. Therefore, I say to you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven men, but the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven men. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man, it will be forgiven him. But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven him, either in this age or in the age to come. Now, blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. So a lot of people have said, well, that sounds like that is an unforgivable sin. And I, I think they're, they're taking it out of context. They're look, looking at it from a limited perspective. All right, so let's turn to Mark chapter, Mark chapter 3 and look at verses 22 through 30 by way of comparison. Parallel text, Mark chapter 3, beginning with verse 22. And the scribes came, and the scribes who came down from Jerusalem said, He was Beelzebub, and by the ruler of demons he cast out demons. Okay, so he called them to himself and said that said to them in parables, How can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, the kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, the house cannot stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand, but has an end. Again, Jesus is reasoning from a logical perspective. He says, what you're saying makes no sense, basically. And no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless the first binds the strong man, and then he will plunder his house. Assuredly, I say to you, all sins would be forgiven the sons of men, and whatever blasphemies they may utter. But he who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness and is subject to eternal condemnation. Well, again, a lot of people would look at that and say, sure sounds like Jesus is saying there is a sin that is unforgivable. And that sin is blasphemy or blaspheming against the Holy Spirit. Well, let's look at one more and another parallel text. Luke chapter 11, and let's begin reading with verse 14. Luke 11, beginning with verse 14. And he was casting out a demon, and it was mute. So it was when the demon had gone out that the mute spoke, and the multitudes, and the multitudes marveled. But some of them said, he casts out demons by Beelzebub, the ruler of the demons. Others testing him sought from him a sign from heaven. But he, knowing their thoughts, said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and a house divided against itself, uh, against a, a house divided against a house, falls. If Satan also is divided against himself, how will his kingdom stand? Because you say I cast out demons by Beelzebub, and if I cast out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore they will be your judges. But if I cast out demons with the finger of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. When a strong man fully armed guards his own palace, his goods are in peace. But when a stronger than he comes upon him and overcomes him, he takes from him all his armor in which he trusted and divides his spoils. He who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters." When an unclean spirit goes out of a man, 
He goes out through dry places, seeking rest and finding none. He says, I will return to my house from which I came. Now, so Jesus is saying again, and here we have it in, in parallel texts in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And, and so when Jesus cast the demons out of this particular man who was blind and mute, and the man was immediately able to see and, and hear, his opponents, his detractors, the detractors of Jesus said, he's, he's not from God. He's doing this by a demon himself. Jesus said, it makes no sense. How can a demon cast out a demon? Why would he do that? That would mean he's divided against himself and his kingdom could not stand. Satan would not cast out his own demons because that would weaken his position of trying to overcome humanity through sinfulness and ungodliness. So Jesus, speaking from a logical perspective, says, what you're charging against me makes no sense. I obviously, the only way I could have cast that demon out of that man is by being from God and doing it by God's power. Now, so we've set a stage here for us to ask that question, to try to come to an understanding. What did Jesus mean by blaspheming against the Holy Spirit being an unforgivable sin? Is there such a thing for us today? If so, what would it be? Let's pray. Father, help us to understand your word and help us to understand your grace and your mercy and your willingness to forgive. But repentance must be our part in that equation. Guide us, Father, in your will, please. Please forgive us and live to your glory. And hear our prayer, please. In Jesus' name, amen.